Hello, hello. I'm Darlin Childress. I am the host of Become a Calm Mama. And this is the podcast where you learn how to parent your kids using compassion and limits without losing your shit. (laughs) That's what this podcast is really all about. And it's called Become a Calm Mama because I have discovered over the course of my own parenting just how important it is for me to be calm before I try any of the parenting strategies that I teach on this podcast that at the base level that I know I need to be is calm in order to connect with my kids and set limits and all of that. So that's what you learn on this podcast. Sometimes I talk about you and helping your mindset and your own stress response and regulating your own emotions. And the funny thing is when I teach the Emotionally Healthy Kids class or the Emotionally Healthy Middle Schooler or the Emotionally Healthy Teen class, every parent is always like, I want to learn more about the calm. (laughs) Like they love all of the connection tool and all of the limit settings and all of those things that I teach. And they also realize that they can only do all that good parenting when they're calm. And I think just in our modern society and modern motherhood, that it's just really hard to stay emotionally regulated. And so anything I can do to help you on uh, by this podcast or in my programs I am just down for it. I realize how important it is because I also felt really frustrated and um, really struggled with becoming a calm mama myself. What am I going to talk about today on the podcast is a concept that I sort of dropped last week and didn't really explain much about it or anything like that. And it was this concept of therapeutic parenting. So I thought it would be helpful to come on the podcast and talk about what that is, what it means, and how what you learn on this podcast, along with what you learn from, you know, gentle parenting guides and um, positive parenting, all of those different parenting philosophies that are out there, all uh, are from this basic idea of compassion and connection, right? And so I kind of wanted to talk about this concept of therapeutic parenting and give you a definition and then help you see how what you learn is related to therapeutic parenting. So let's get into it. The first time I ever heard the term therapeutic parenting was when I first started to learn about parenting and because I was struggling so much when my youngest, my oldest was four, I was struggling so much with his temper tantrums. They were extremely triggering to me. And he was also uh, using his body. Now I understand he was using his body to manage his own overwhelm and his own stress. And it looked like hitting. It looked like kicking. It just looked very physical. And because of my own trauma backstory, my own trauma experience in my own childhood, I had sort of set up this... um, this framework for myself where I was like, no one will ever hurt me again. Like that was one of my survivor strategies. And what was happening in the dynamic between me and my son is he was dysregulated. I did not have that word back then, but he was emotionally dysregulated. He was, um, you know, in his stress cycle, he was having a meltdown using his body to regulate his emotion. And I was getting hit and kicked And then I was like, oh, no, you don't. And I felt 
you know, reactive towards him. I wanted to hurt him. I didn't, um, but I could feel that rage and that self-protection. And I just felt awful, right? Because I wouldn't maybe be physical or I would be physical, like, you know, um, like grabbing him too tight or, or holding his arms and shoulders or shaking him a little bit. And then I would feel terrible afterwards. I would just feel like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? And in that process of like, you know, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I started to get support and started to get help and started to reach out to different resources and, you know, parenting programs. There weren't podcasts back then, oddly enough. So I didn't have options like you have right now at the parenting podcast. So uh, I had to find resources. Um, So I did. I found a therapist to help my child and I. Um, And like I mentioned on the podcast last week, I was learning all of these tools that I teach you on how to connect with your children when they are overwhelmed, when they have big feelings, right? We call temper tantrums, big feeling cycles. And we, I've been teaching you how to reframe misbehavior, reframe behavior so that you see that all behavior is driven by emotion, by feelings, right? That is one of the things I say all the time. Feelings drive behavior. That was where I was learning that concept and then getting the tools that I was, you know, learning how to help Lincoln with his big feelings and help him express those big feelings in ways that work. And in that therapeutic environment with the therapist, I was learning how to um, help him like get out some of that, those big feelings and like process that negative emotion. And as I mentioned last week, when I went, you know, to my best friend, she said to me, wow, she's a therapist. I asked her to be on the podcast. She's busy, but she's going to be on soon. Um, But I asked her, I I was telling her all about it. She would babysit my younger one while I went to the therapy with the older one. And, you know, I would tell her all the things I learned and we were like learning so much about parenting and our kids were really little. And so she said, oh my God, you know, that sounds like therapeutic parenting all the time. And that's when she said, you know, you, that's impossible, right? And I was like, but I have no choice. And I really didn't feel like I had a choice because Lincoln needed so much support. He just was a little, a little out of sorts often, um, or a lot out of sorts. You know, some people need more support. Some kids need more support. Ironically, he he's like the most emotionally regulated, chill person ever now. And I believe it's because he got the support he needed when he was younger and he got those tools because you can learn how to self-regulate at any point in your life. Like you're learning on this podcast and you're teaching it to your kids, whatever age they are, right? It's never too late because you're learning them now. It's great. When she said, this is therapeutic parenting all the time, I did not have language for anything that I was learning. I did not have words for the type of parenting that we practice, right? I just was like, okay. All I knew is that I needed to help my son with his big feelings. And along the way, I realized that I needed a lot of help with my big feelings, right? I needed to heal. I needed to heal my trauma response. I needed to decrease my stress. I needed to learn all of those things. 
what would I like to share with you is what is therapeutic parenting and you know, what, what are we, what are, what am I talking about? Any, essentially, when you think about like, what is therapy? Okay. Therapy is defined as a way to get help with a mental health problem or get extra support if you're going through a tough time. In therapy, you learn skills to cope, to feel better, and get help with the problem that you're having. If you think about it as a parent and you think about therapeutic parenting, we are essentially helping our children get through, get extra support when they're going through a tough time. (laughs) Now, a tough time when you're four is that like you can't get your shoes on or your socks are kind of like that little seam is not quite right or the cup that you like is in the dishwasher or your brother looked at you funny or it's really hot and you don't want to be at the grocery store. The tough time looks different. It's not our tough time, but we have this compassionate lens towards the child and we see that they are having a tough time. That when we look, when they see their, when we see their behavior, when they're acting out, when they're taking the inside messy middle and they're putting it on the outside, we are saying, oh, look, you're struggling. You need support. You're having a tough time. Someone who hits their brother is having a tough time. Someone who screams at their, at their mom is having a tough time. Looking at your kid's behavior from that lens of compassion is really the key to all of this, right? If you think about, I don't want you to think that you're like your child's therapist. That's why I don't really use the language of therapeutic parenting. But the concept that When your child is misbehaving or struggling, they don't need your criticism. They don't need your judgment. They don't need your rationalizing or your moralizing or your lecturing. They don't need you to turn it into a teachable moment. They really need support. What I know as a coach and what, you know, my colleagues who are therapists and and my friends and what we know is that when you give the person that is struggling, when you see them and you validate and you identify their struggle and you support them, they then move through that negative emotion and feel stronger and more ready to problem solve. A lot of times as parents, we aren't looking at their behavior as a struggle. We're looking at it as a problem. We're looking at our, ch- our kid's behavior and we go into fix it, change it, stop it, solve it. I want to help you understand that really we're going we're gonna to look at the behavior and we're going to see, ah, this is struggle. I say to my clients all the time, what I say to myself, I tell them, this is what I say when I see my kids um, having a lot of emotion or showing up with misbehavior or procrastination or any of those, you know, behaviors that drive me crazy, especially with teenagers, instead of going, oh my God, they're so lazy. They're so frustrating. They're so selfish. They're so, rather than judging it, I try to say, think as the behavior is coming, I think this is pain talking. Even if it's not words, 
I look at their behavior from the lens of this. We only look at behavior when it's frustrating, right? Like all behavior is a form of communication. But really, when you talk about parenting, we're just talking about off-track behavior, right? Or misbehavior. So when you see misbehavior, thinking, this is pain talking. This is a struggle. This is a person who is going through a tough time. Puts you into the place of compassion right? Because mm, this type of parenting that has multiple names, right? Gentle parenting, compassionate parenting, conscious parenting, uh, connected parenting, so many words, right? Therapeutic parenting I'm offering, right? Really, the basis of it is all the same. And it is this idea that we are recognizing that our child's behavior is communication, We look at their behavior, especially when they're in a heightened state of misbehavior, and we think to ourselves, this is a person who's having a tough time. This is pain. This is someone struggling. And we, as the parent, take on the role of compassionate witness. We help emotionally support the child to help them move from their emotionally dysregulated state to a regulated one. That process is called co-regulation. I am calm. I'm in my right thinking brain. I'm in my compassionate space. And I turn and I give my child emotional support. What does that look like? It looks like naming what might be going on inside of them, helping them find the words to describe that messy, mixed up mumbo jumbo mess inside their little bodies. They have tons of thoughts. They have tons of feelings. They have a stress response. They're just humans. They don't have language though to talk about what it's like to have your brother look at you funny, to have your if you're four and your six-year-old brother says, you know, you're so stupid, you don't even know how to put the leash on the dog, right? They just go, ah, they have big feelings and they don't know what to do with those big feelings. Those big feelings, they come out as misbehavior, as off-track behavior. They're acting out. Now, our role is to provide them tools to help support them So they move from that dysregulated, stressed spot to regulated calm. Those are all of the connection tools that I teach you on this podcast and in the programs that I I teach, the parenting classes. Now, one thing that's really interesting, and this was what I found, is that I learned about this model of parenting. Um, At the time, I thought of it as nonviolent parenting because you are helping your child move from from dysregulated to regulated without using punishment or shame or pain. We're not trying to shove that emotion down. We're actually trying to help support it to come out. That was my original pathway to this parenting was through nonviolent parenting which was based on nonviolent communication. And I loved it. I mean, I 
discovered it. And even though my friend was like, that's so hard, that's therapeutic parenting all the time. I did it at home. I just let Lincoln have his big feelings and I just sat compassionately and I narrated those feelings and I just waited for them to pass. And it was like a miracle. I'm not kidding. It was like, whoa, he would have, he had for months, these really intense meltdowns that lasted 45 minutes to an hour, kicking, screaming, spitting, hitting, running away from me, just intense. And I had a little one too. I was like, oh my God, what do I do with this kid? And so I was trying all the things like, you know, time out and takeaway and punishment and charts and all of it. And none of it was working. I was, I used to do that one, two, three magic. Like that's one, that's two. And all I was doing was activating more stress with my threats and he was getting more dysregulated and then acting out even more. So I stopped all strategies and just sat with compassion and let his big feeling cycle. I did not have that word. I let that temper tantrum ride its course. I kept everybody safe. I took breaks when I needed and I just let it, let him let it out. It probably would look to anybody else like I was ignoring it, right? If someone else was there, they'd be like, wow, you're a really bad mom because you're just letting your kids scream and like kick the wall. I'm like, nobody was around, so it was easy for me. But I just kept thinking like, this is way better than yelling at him and screaming and like grabbing his legs and pushing him down and all of that chaos. And when I stopped doing anything, it settled. (laughs) It started to improve. The meltdowns decreased. This isn't just anecdotal for me. This is what happens. It happens with any of my clients who really do the work of letting their kids ride their big feeling cycle. They decrease in intensity, frequency, and duration. Isn't that good news? So I was motivated to do it. I was like, yeah, no, this is good. I'm going to stay in this model and I'm going to do it. And I'm like going to be like really good at this. Um, and two things happened to me. The first is that I had like a capacity for how long I could let a big feeling cycle go. And then I would flip a switch and I would just like lose my mind. And in that process, I recognized like, oh, I can only do this when I feel really calm. So I needed to up the way that I took care of myself. When I wasn't with my kids, I needed to be very good about self-care. And what that looked for like for me was, um, it was definitely not like getting massage. If you know me, I'm not a fan. But I would have a babysitter. So I'd have kid-free time. Um, I honestly had a babysitter every Wednesday from like one to five and that they just watched the kids, like the kids had preschool or whatever. And then I would get them home from preschool and I would leave and I would often go to a movie by myself and the movie would only last two hours, but I'd have them from one to five. So I would come back and I would sit in my car around the corner under a tree and read a book. That was self-care for me. I would also sometimes go get my hair cut, go to a doctor's appointment, maybe see a friend, but my friends weren't available on Wednesdays at one o'clock, like unless they also had a babysitter, you know? So I just spent a lot of time by myself. I also started to get, you know, more support. I started to do some healing work, some 
healing work in motherhood and dealing with some of my trauma. And um, that just continued from that point. I just recognized like, I've got to heal. I've got to take care of myself. And, you know, simple, simple meals, uh, decrease the amount of crap we had in our house so that I didn't have to clean up that much. I just simplified our life and made our rhythms and routines really, really, really simple and took care of myself so that I could show up in this way. Last week's episode was all like when you can't deal, right? So you're off the hook. You don't have to do it all the time. But if you can set your life up in a way that gives you greater capacity for this emotional coaching, this connected parenting, then your whole family will benefit. You'll feel better because you won't be yelling at them. You won't be emotionally disconnecting. You won't be checking out when they're overwhelmed. You'll be present. And then that means you'll have more good times to be present for. So it's not selfish. It's necessary, right? Um, Okay, so that was the first thing is like, oh, I've got to like deal with my own dysregulation, right? I've got to figure out how to like be calmer and take better care of myself. I do teach a lot of those on this podcast and in my program. The second thing that happened is I didn't know what to do after the big feeling cycle or if the behavior wasn't like really emotionally uh, charged, I had no idea how to set any limits, any boundaries. I did not know how to like have consequences without punishment. I was just like lost. And I remember thinking of this example of the kids eating popcorn and getting super silly and throwing the popcorn all over the room and all of that and just being like silly. Like they just thought it was so funny. And I was staring at them just like, what? do I do? Like, you can't just sit around and throw popcorn. Like it's a waste and it's rude and like, it's a mess and it it is buttery. So it's like going to get on the carpet. I mean, I had all those thoughts, right? And I was just staring at him and I was thinking, what do I do? Do I come over and say, well, now I know how to handle it. But at the time I was like, oh, you guys are feeling so silly. You're throwing popcorn. That's so fun narrating their emotions and narrating what their experience was like when it was just silly time. I had two little boys. They were silly all the time. I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, what do I do when you throw popcorn on the ground? One piece that is important in these models, right? It's not permissive parenting. It's high structure, high nurture. It's intentional parenting. And when we have high structure and high nurture, it creates a feeling of safety. Isn't that cool? That if you have good structure and good boundaries and clear limits, you're not mean. You're not a bad mom because you're firm. I always think of it like harsh versus hard, right? Like when I teach the hard no, I say like, that's like, no, everyone stay safe. That is not okay. You sit there, you sit there. In that moment, I am calm and I'm also very firm. I'm, but I'm not harsh. I'm not judging. I'm not like, you're so mean. You go sit over there. How do you think she feels? That's not nice. Don't do that. You better stop it or else. That's punitive. That's threatening. I am going to be firm 
I'm going to be confident and I'm going to keep everybody safe. When you are firm, when you have boundaries, when you have limits, you actually do help your children feel less dysregulated because they feel safer. Isn't that amazing that it's actually good, right? It's funny because very permissive parenting and negotiations like, oh, if you promise to be nice to your friend, I'll buy you a candy or you can like earn Pokemon cards or a toy or something like that. It actually doesn't feel safe to kids. It feels like there's no grown-up in charge when the child has a lot of power and influence over the grown-ups. Children inherently know that they are not adults. They know partly because they're smaller. (laughs) And you see that in middle school and high school where the kids start to get like taller than mom and they're like, uh, whoa, it it, like what's happening here. But when they're little, they know they're little. They do. They want to know that the grownups are in control. They want to feel safe. And so having limits and having firm boundaries is helpful. The other thing that's cool about having there be punitive-free consequences, more result-based impact consequences, like if you hit your brother, it makes sense you hit your brother, and that hitting caused a problem for your brother. So how do you want to fix that problem for your brother? So we're being very nurturing, and we're also holding our child accountable. We're letting them fail, and we're letting them then fix it. When you are able to repair, to to fix a problem, you actually feel better inside and you don't take it like there's something wrong with me. So shame is I am a mistake. Guilt is I made a mistake. So when you are able to externalize your behavior and say, oh, look, I did this thing and then I fixed this thing, it's all outside of you. That's very healing. Versus being told, you're not nice, you're a problem, we don't want you around because you're always hitting people, that means that something internally is wrong. So high nurture is validating the emotion, recognizing it as pain, being comfortable with that dysregulation, helping support our kids within a safety structure, and then letting them, when they're calm, deal with the problems that their behavior caused. And that all together is this therapeutic model. When I was learning all of these different tools, when I learned how to set limits properly, when I learned how to create the restitution model, well, I didn't really learn that. I developed it. But while I was developing these concepts, I was like, I need to make this easier. (laughs) because if you think about it, it's pretty complicated. Validating high nurture environment at the same time as high structure with accountability. um, It's just complicated. And I know that that's true. These are therapeutic psychological concepts that we're bringing into our families, which is amazing, but it's hard. And it was hard for me. I'm trained as a middle school teacher right? I understand child development. I had a lot of classes about child development, but my original training was to teach U.S. history to eighth graders, which I was pretty good at, by the way. I was very fun, but that didn't make me know how to be a mom. 
like in this model. You know, I didn't grow up like this. I grew up with a lot of chaos and neglect and trauma and, you know, disassociation and all of it. Right. So I was like, okay, I love it all. And I've got to figure out a way to make it accessible. Not just for me, but also for the people I was starting to teach this co- these concepts to. That's why I created the Kamama process. This is not an ad. I'm not trying to like sell you anything. I'm just saying that the Kamama process is my therapeutic hack. It's the thing I created to make this type of parenting make sense in my head. And it is that four-step process that I teach constantly on this podcast. It is first calm. I can't do anything until I am calm, right? Then it's connect. I'm not going to correct any behavior. I'm not going to set limits. I'm not, I'm just going to, unless I have to make sure everyone's safe, but in general, I'm going to approach from a nurturing space first. I'm going to calm myself and then I'm going to connect. Calm, connect. Then I'm going to set limits. That's the high structure. Calm, connect, limit set. This is what is allowed in this house. And these are the conditions that you can do it in. You can play video games as long as you turn them off when the timer goes off. Then correct. If they don't turn it off, no problem. Tomorrow, no video games. No moralizing, no lecturing. Let them make a mistake and then follow through with an impact. The Calm Mama process is my best attempt to make these therapeutic models of parenting accessible to myself and to you. And I, I hope I'm doing a good job. Um, I know it helps me. Honestly, I use the Calm Mama process every day. Every day. I work really hard at staying regulated. When I'm not, I notice. I take a pause break. I calm myself. I go, oh, I'm not okay right now. sometimes I yell first, typically not because I can catch myself wherever you are in the process, catch yourself, right? I calm. And then I take a look at my person, my little kids, my big kids. I look at them and I'm like, what's going on? Why are they acting like this? What's this about? And I try to narrate and name. I use that connection tool. And then if there's a limit, I'm like, no, you can do this as long as you stop doing that. Or this is what's allowed in this house under these conditions. So I go right into my limits and I let them make a decision. I let them kind of struggle within the limit. I think of it sometimes like putting on a too tight jacket or something. You know, you kind of want to push against it a bit. And then if they, if they reject the limit and they fail, I have my consequence or my correction. So it's calm, connect, limit set, correct. This is my therapeutic parenting hack and it works for me, works for others. I hope it works for you. And I just wanted to explain it to you so that you had a better idea of what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it. Why are we doing it? I didn't say that. It's because you want your kids to grow up and have better coping skills. Everybody gets dysregulated. Everybody. We have stress, we have cortisol, we have inputs in the world that fire us up. That is normal. That is what it is to be human. That is what it's what it's like to have a brain. And when when that happens, we want to give our kids tools to equip themselves to 
regulate themselves, to self-regulate so that when they grow up, they don't have to hurt their relationships, right? They don't have to sabotage their life through be- through behaviors that aren't healthy. So emotionally healthy families, emotionally healthy kids, emotionally healthy mamas. This is all about us self-regulating and um, yeah, that's what it's about, right? Raising emotionally healthy kids. Okay, uh, with that in mind, I do want to tell you that there is the Emotionally Healthy Middle Schooler and Emotionally Healthy Teen class launching pretty soon. Um, we're going to start in September. We're going to start those classes and they're going to be starting the week of September 18th. But <clears throat> I'm opening the doors to sign up at the end of August. So start thinking about it. It's $500 for the six-week class. You get six months of additional support with me. And um, I just think they're they're incredible. I've taught four this year already. And I uh, this, you know, what people are saying is so cool. Uh, so you're invited. We'll make sure that we get the, you know, um, details and all that in the show notes and on the website. So you can get all the information about my programs and um, get, sign up for the Stop Yelling Cheat Sheet, which is the beginning of Calm at calmmamacoaching.com. Yeah. So I hope to see you on my newsletter if you're not already on there. And you can always reach out to the podcast and just let us know if you have questions and, um, and see how we can best support you. All right, mamas. It's still summer. Enjoy it until it's over. I will see you. Well, I won't see you, but I will talk to you next time. Have a great week. 